This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Maliha Sayed. Today, we're hearing the latest on a case that addresses how Latino voters in central Washington could be affected by redistricting in their communities. And with both Republicans and Democrats involved in the process, critics say the parties use redistricting as a chance to stack the deck in their favor. In August, a U.S. District Court judge ruled in favor of plaintiffs who said that the way the 15th legislative district was drawn in 2021 could dilute Latino votes. Now, the court is reviewing proposed changes to the district's boundaries that could go into effect just in time for the 2024 election. In this episode, we hear from reporter Mai Huang about the changes voters could see in the next few months, the pushback from conservative legislators and voters, including those who are Latino, and the broader implications of this case. You have been following this lawsuit with the 15th Legislative District over the past few years. Could you kind of give us a really quick, you know, one minute overview of just what's led us to this point? So maybe three or four major events that got us to where we're at right now. Sure. So I think we can just start at In 2021, late 2021, the Washington State Redistricting Commission completed its work. Um, Every 10 years, there's a bipartisan commission that gathers and redraws the boundaries for, you know, our legislative districts and our congressional districts. In 2021, as they do every 10 years, each state redrew its congressional district lines to reflect the results of the 2020 census. Now, two years later, the maps in more than a half dozen states are the subjects of lawsuits from voting rights advocates who say they dilute the voting power of Black and Latino voters. In January 2022, which is two years ago this month, a group of Latino voters filed lawsuit in U.S. District Court over the 15th Legislative District, which was the Latino voter majority district saying they violated federal voting rights laws. Latino voters and voting rights advocates are suing state officials in federal court over new legislative district maps. Plaintiffs in this case contended that the way that different Latino communities were included or excluded from the district uh, really diluted the impact of those votes. Latino voters have filed a federal lawsuit saying Washington State redistricting commissioners went out of their way to curve through sections of the city of Yakima, the lower Yakima Valley, Benton, Franklin, Grant, and Adams counties to create legislative districts where Latinos have less voting power. So, for example, the 15th district included some communities that were less politically active, while the more politically active communities in the Yakima Valley were in a different district. So essentially, you had all these communities that were supposed to be cohesive, but they were in two different districts, basically. So that was kind of the argument they set up back in January 2022. Basically, this case went on for a little while, primarily because it was an election year, And then the case was actually heard in June of last year, in 2023. And then in August, Judge Robert Lasnik ruled in favor of the plaintiffs. He agreed with the voters that the district did violate federal voting rights laws. And so that opened up the remedial process, which is to draw a new map um, that would have a Latino majority district that complied with voting rights laws. And the idea is, at this point, the court is trying to approve a new map by March of this year. Yes. So when the ruling was released, the judge provided 
a couple avenues. So you could either let the court handle it, handle the remedial process, or reconvene the redistricting commission, which hasn't been done ever. So basically what it came down to is that the Democrats in the legislature decided to let the court handle it because they felt that the Latino voters in the Yakima Valley should have a say in what the map looks like. The Republicans did want to reconvene the commissions. They felt that doing anything else was kind of against the bipartisan nature of the the redistricting process. But because they were split, there was just not enough votes to do a special session to reconvene the, the commission. Could you paint a picture of just the 15th legislative district in general? Kind of where is it in Washington and who's who's affected? Yeah, the 15th legislative district is actually made up of several counties. I know we kind of use a shorthand. I use the shorthand that we talk about Yakima Valley. That's kind of the moniker we use. But there's actually several counties in the legislative district. It includes Adams, Benton, Franklin, and Grant counties. And so it's kind of a a rough oval-shaped, I guess, district. It really spans a couple of different Latino communities. It's as far as Othello in Grant County, which is a major Latino community. But the plaintiffs contend that places in Grant County, like Othello, are not as politically active compared to areas in the lower Yakima Valley. Yeah, and this seems to have far-reaching implications because they're trying to get these maps in or a map in ahead of this upcoming election, which is approaching really quickly. So we could see some of these changes affect how voters, you know, approach this election this year. Yes, for sure. I think, you know, obviously, if you redo one district, it's going to affect all the (laughs) districts surrounding it. So actually, after the plaintiffs uh, submitted their proposed maps, the Secretary of State's office chimed in and kind of outlined the number of counties that would be impacted by the different maps. And so it's as little as three counties affected. So Yakima, Benton, and Klickitat. And then there's another map where up to 13 counties are impacted. And so that's all, that's a good chunk of counties. And it could mean that you voter, even though you don't live in the Yakima Valley, could end up being in a different district and voting for different people, depending on where folks live. We're talking about a district where some people say the boundaries are diluting the Latino vote. And then we actually have other Latino community members, lawmakers, voters who are saying that it's okay to keep them as is. Latinos don't necessarily vote with one party in particular. They tend to span the political spectrum. Our poll indicates a growing number of Hispanic voters appear to be choosing Republican candidates over Democrats. That's contrary to conventional political assumptions. Republicans figured out how to connect with Latino voters culturally. I'd be curious to know just how that's factored into some of your coverage and conversations on this story and your previous coverage. Yeah, it's a bit tricky because you can't say there are no conservative Latino voters in Washington state. They're clearly here. Um, We're very faith-oriented, family-oriented, and hard work and country. So I think those values have always aligned with Latinos, and that's why the conservative party or Republican party is what aligns. We have actually two senators in central Washington, including Nikki Torres, who was elected in this disputed 15th legislative district as a senator. Time to start putting people first and prioritizing eastern Washington at the state capitol. 
I learned how to work hard for my parents who came to America from Mexico searching for the American dream. Um, one of the people that intervened in this original case, it's actually known as Palmer versus Hobbs, is Alex Ibarra from the 13th District. He's a senator and he's also a Republican. Hi, I'm Alex Ibarra. I'm the state representative for District 13. I represent Grand County Kittitas County and North Yakima County. And so, you know, it's really easy for them, for conservatives to be like, well, look, we have elected Republican senators that are Latino and Latina. So how can you make this argument that Latino voters are not empowered to vote for Latino candidates? You know, this is a partisan issue. This isn't a Latino voters issue. And so that's an argument they've pushed and continue to push. But the question is, and the argument, I think at the heart of the argument is, are the Latino communities in central Washington as a block of voters, are those their candidate of choice? And I think what made the ruling stick for the judge is that the voting experts were able to show that Latino voters' candidate of choice is not Nikki Torres. It was generally Democrats. And like and generally the Latino candidates that did run for office in Central Washington and were unsuccessful were Democrats. So there's a partisan issue here. There's a lot of different issues that kind of get entangled together. And I think the key thing to this is to kind of detangle it and realize, okay, we're not negating the existence of conservative Latinos with this court case. You know, the core question doesn't change whether there is a Latino senator or legislator or not. It, the core question is, for the most part, is this consolidated group of voters, are the candidates they're picking, are, are they successful? And the answer is no. So that is at the heart of this argument. And when we think about some of the proposals that are in play with these maps, and you had mentioned some of the counties that could be affected, what are some of the other changes that are potentially going to happen uh, assuming these maps are approved or one of these maps is approved and, yeah, it just changes ahead of this 2024 election. Yeah, so the main change that plaintiffs are proposing, and they were the, oh, by the way, they were the only ones to have submitted maps. All parties had the opportunity to submit maps before the deadline. The key priority in all five of these maps submitted is that the district that is actually the Latino majority district is switching. So it was the 15th, it is the 15th right now, but they're proposing to switch it to the 14th. And the reason for that is that the even-numbered legislative districts, their elections fall in line generally with the presidential election. And generally on presidential election years, historically, Latino voters have turned out more. In general, there's a higher turnout, but it's especially the case with Latino voters. And you especially can see that during this off-year election in 2023. Latino voters in Yakima County really did not come out during this 2023 election season. And so that's the main piece of it. Um, the main priority for the plaintiffs is to string together all the communities between Yakima and Pasco because they contend that there's commonalities between Yakima, Pasco, and all the little communities, so like Wapato, Toppenish, and so on. All these communities have common cultural traits. They're in agricultural areas. Culturally, there's a lot of commonalities. Chances are there's probably... Latino residents in Yakima, probably relatives in Pasco. Um, if you go to downtown Pasco, you can tell it's a very 
Latino heavy community, a lot of Latino owned businesses in downtown Pasco, for example. And so that was a big priority. And most of the proposals do that. You know, it's less about the demographic number and meeting that number and more about how do voters perform in that district. You know, again, going back to the heart of the issue, if I'm a Latino voter in the 15th or 14th or whatever district is the majority district, if I pick a candidate, is that candidate going to succeed in my district as a Latino voter? And so it's less about, you know, the, the exact number and more about, again, electorally, how is this district performing? You mentioned Senator Nikki Torres, and she's a Latina Republican in Washington, and and she has expressed concern that changes to the maps could affect her chance at being reelected. Could you talk a little bit about the concern that she expressed and if any other lawmakers have also said something to the same effect? So, yeah, so uh, Nikki Torres, through her attorneys, have asked to intervene in the case now because of, obviously, the impact that the redrawn maps would have on her reelection prospects. And so, basically, in four of the five maps, she would be moved out of the 15th and into a different district, a neighboring 16th. And so, they're contending that she would end up in a primary battle with incumbent in that district this year, um, when originally she was not up for election until 2026. So... That's one scenario they're outlining. And then there's this one map that does have her stay in the 15th, but that would not, no longer be a Latino voter majority district. And the incumbents that she's kind of served for the last two years, you know, will not be in her district anymore. So that's still a change. And so you're having to appeal to a new group of, of voters, basically. And it sounds like there's currently an appeal in process to this case, and it sounds like maybe it's on hold. But could you talk a little bit about that appeal and whether you think it has legs and could go through? The um, interveners, the conservative Latino voters that intervened in this case, they filed an appeal of the August decision with the U.S. Court of Appeals. Uh, But they've kind of filed a motion saying to put that on pause because they are proceeding with this map process. So their plan now is to let the map process kind of go through. Um, Once the court picks a map, their plan is to actually appeal with the court again and say, we don't like this map (laughs) or we challenge this map. And then eventually, like, have the court consolidate the two cases. So the map part, the challenge with the map, and then the challenge of the original voting rights ruling into one case in the appeals court. So um, that's one thing. And then the other thing they're doing is that they're also appealing, I guess the proper term is like they filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court. There's actually an option where the U.S. Supreme Court can review something even if it hasn't gone through the, the appeals court and appealed to the Supreme Court. So there is that option. And when it comes to this appeals process, you know, eventually when it is re-upped, if it is re-upped, do you think it has legs or do you think it has the potential to shift this case? Certainly the conservative Latino voters and the interveners have believed that they will prevail in the appeals system. I don't think they would pursue it if they didn't think they had a chance. And, you know, we do have a conservative majority in the U.S. Supreme Court. So, why not try and see if the U.S. Supreme Court goes in that direction? That said, the U.S. Supreme Court really hasn't indicated that they look to blow up (laughs) the interpretation of voting rights laws. They've had a few voting rights cases that have come across their their desks, and generally um, the rulings have actually been, I would be careful to say favorable, but at least 
they haven't blown up anything in the way that the Dobbs case, for example, blew up Road versus Wade, right? So we haven't seen a comparable scenario so far with voting rights cases. When could we see changes go into effect? And are there any other steps that have to happen if a map is approved? So, you know, the, they're giving this March date um, to get the map over to the Secretary of State's office. So then the office does kind of the mechanics. You know, you have to change the website, draw new maps, you know, change the voter guides, all those documentation things of the old boundaries. Um, so they would have to do that. So the conservative voters who are intervening in this case, they plan to challenge whatever map is approved so we could have another legal process. You know, that's probably coming regardless. How far that will go, um, it's hard to say at this point. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, everything is pointing to these the court choosing a map, it getting transmitted, and then these boundaries will be in place for the 2024 election. I don't think when they approved the map back in 2021, I think there were people that saw it coming, um, particularly voter advocates, definitely, you know, voice concern back then that... You know, these districts were not drawn with the voting rights laws in mind. So there were people that were calling the siren back in 2021. But generally, I would say, I think most people did not expect us to be here, you know, three years, almost three years later, um, you know, trying to figure this out. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Mai Huang. It was produced by Sarah Bernard and me, Maliha Sayed. The story editor was Ryan Familiner. Our executive producer is Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you would like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docuseries we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com slash membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Ali Hasayed. We'll be back soon with another episode.